Welcome to the Life and Mission Podcast. My name is Kay Helm, and today my guest is Tom Lane. He is the Apostolic Senior Pastor at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. As an elder, he provides spiritual governance for Gateway's ministries, and as a pastor-to-pastor, Tom is a long-term trusted Christian leader. He's written many books, and his latest is called Tested and Approved 21 Lessons for Life and Ministry. Here's my interview with Tom Lane. Well, Tom Lane, welcome to the Life and Mission podcast. I am delighted to have you here with me today. Thank you, Kay. Glad to be here with you. And yeah, now you're you're a pastor and a pastor of pastors. Yes, um, I am. And you're the Apostolic Senior Pastor Gateway Church, and I know you've been in ministry and leadership for a number of years. You've authored seven books. Um, just tell us a little bit kind of about what what all of that entails. Well, uh, yeah, oftentimes when the term apostolic is used in my title, people go, "Who? what does that mean? What, who, who are you? What is... And we use the term uh, t- to mean... Um, it, it's the umbrella term we use to cover all of our outreach ministries. Mm-hmm. So essentially there's four big buckets that I of ministries that I oversee at our church. We have a, a network of churches. We have about a hundred churches that are a part of our network. We have a university, the King's university. Uh, we have um, all of our um, missions work, both local and international. And uh, we have a, an outreach to business leaders called Kingdom Business Leaders. Mm-hmm. And we we work with churches, helping them connect with their business leaders. And so I oversee the executive teams that work in all of those areas. And I, I, I designate about a third or maybe a half of my time toward uh, coaching pastors that are a part of our network. That's great. I know that's a great help for for the pastors. Um, I love that you're working across the the ministry and business, you know, together. I love anything that breaks down those silos that we get into. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I came into ministry out of business. I I graduated with a degree in accounting, and even though I got I got saved when I was a teenager, I never really expected uh, to be in vocational ministry. I, I, I wanted to be a, a representative for God in the business arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, business. Tra- I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Business transfers uh, took me from Omaha to Oklahoma City, and then from Oklahoma City into the Panhandle of Texas. And all the time thinking these are just sort of short-term stops on my way back uh, to our corporate offices, but every place we were, we got involved in a church. And so when we got to Amarillo, we, we became a part of a church and it wasn't long, nine months into our, our move there, we, we were sent out from the church to start a church and we became, uh, one of a dozen or so uh, couples that started the church and it grew fairly rapidly. And I was, you know, I was doing my business work and, uh, volunteering in the church in about every capacity I could, just believing in what was taking place. And mm-hmm. uh, the church grew, grew fast. It grew in four years to about a thousand in size. And uh, they needed a business administrator. And I thought, well, I could do that, but I'm a business guy. I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm not a ministry guy. But the pastor asked me if I would help him. And I said, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm committed to the church. And he said, no, I need help. And I said, what do you mean help? And he said, I need you to come and help me do this. And so uh, God clearly through that uh, process spoke that he wanted me to make, make that move. So I stepped out of business thinking I'd do that for a couple of years and, and then go back to business. And that was 38 years ago. Wow. That's <laughs> so here I am. Uh, I love it though. When you're, when you're willing to just say, okay, here I am, Lord. Well, you know, I, I think life is uh, built, at least my life has been, on convergent sort of moments. Mm-hmm. If you, I, th- I think one of the things that, as a Christian, makes life interesting and exciting is simply every day saying, Lord, I'm yours. Orchestrate this day the way that you want it and lead me to fulfill your purpose in this day. 
and you you're brought into conversations and circumstances and opportunities that uh, that fulfill God's purpose in your life. And that's that's what I've tried to do is I've tried to live my life in a, a, a process that is what I would define as hear, believe and obey. Mm-hmm. Lord, I want to hear what you're saying today. And then I, I need to not unlike in this Christmas season, uh, Mary, who's saying, you know, angel shows up and says, Lord, how, how can this be? I'm, I've not been with a man. And, uh, you know, you, you ask questions when God confronts you, you ask questions about, well, how does that work? What, what, and, and that's in that's it's designed to be in a process to bring us to a place of faith so that we can believe. And, and then, in my experience, even when you believe God said it, it still takes a step of faith in order to obey. So that's what I've, so I've lived my life for uh, almost 50 years now, uh, as, as a little over 50 years as a believer. So, well, that's, I, I think that's a good plan right there. <laughs> I know, I know when I've leaned on him and, and not on my own understanding, that's, that's when things have uh, not gone easy, but gone mm-hmm. well as in, in terms of it, it's been right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, okay, transitions are one of the hardest things that we will navigate in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, whether they be um, transition transitions that we sort of initiate ourselves, we they're, you know, or an unexpected transition uh, that happens and catches us sort of unaware. Every transition comes with its own set of circumstances and trials and opportunities for faith. And it presses us into God in a new way. Yeah. Yeah. There's always some, some step there that we cannot do on our own. It's true. So true. And it can be terribly uncomfortable when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and, and, you know, just like the pastor that, that uh, brought you into ministry, um, you know, how, how uncomfortable was it to him to say, I need to bring people in. I can't do this on my yeah. own. And sometimes that can be the hardest ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. From the ministry side, I I thought, um, I had a friend surrounding that time who was on staff at the church. And he, so he approached me first and he said, Hey, have you ever prayed about being called to ministry? And I went, no, I haven't. And he said, well, why don't you pray and see if God will call you? And I, uh, my response was just, well, how much does it pay? And he goes, no, no, that's not what you ask. You pray and see if God calls you. If God calls you, I'll tell you how much it pays. And I, sort of kiddingly, I pushed back and said, no, you tell me how much it pays and then I'll pray. But it, internally, what I was thinking was <clears throat> I was married. I had two kids. Uh, I had a home. I had a standard of living. And if in order to say yes to this opportunity, it meant that I was going to have to change something, downsize. I, I wanted to uh, to factor that into my decision process, not not say, okay, yeah, I think God's called me. And then have them go, oh, well, it pays this much. And I go, oh, I can't do that. You know, I wanted to measure that up front, which I think is biblical. I think there's an account that God says, you know, what man uh, seeks to build the tower and doesn't count the cost before he he begins the project. So that's that was in my mind. I didn't go into all that detail with him. I just said, how much does it pay? So I never I thought the, the pastor would never offer me a job without following that same line of reasoning. And he, he did, he, he didn't uh, follow that line of reasoning. He just said, I need help. Will you come help me? And it was sort of, I, I had, you know, judges six is an, an account where Gideon laid a, a fleece out before God, when God was asking him to do something. And that's what I did. I, I said, God, if you want me to do this, I need you to, to answer me in three specific things. I need the pastor to offer me the job. When he offers it to me, I need it not to be checking me out, seeing if I'll pray about it, that he's he's already gone on his end, whatever things he has to do in order to make it official. And then I took my income and I said, well, I, I can 
maybe adjust this and this, but it needs to pay at least this much. So when he, when he approached me, he met two of the three conditions right off. You know, he, he said, I need your help. And I said, were you offering me a job? And he said, yes, I'm offering you a job. And I said, does anybody know? And he said, yes, we, we've talked about it as a, as an elder body and we're unanimous. You're the one to fill this job. And I thought, okay, well, there's two of my three conditions, but I don't think he'll, you know, I, I need all three, God. So we're, we were at lunch when he was talking to me about this and we're walking out to the car after we'd paid out and, and he goes, Oh, it occurs to me, you might want to know how much it pays. And I said, well, yeah, I'd, I would. And he said, how much do you make? And, you know, instantly I thought he didn't say how much do you have to have to come? He said, how much do you make? Yeah. So I didn't give him my bottom line number. I told him how much I made. Yeah. And he said, that's how much it pays. Wow. And I went, Oh, wow. In this lunch, all three conditions. And then I instantly thought, well, maybe I made it too easy. Maybe I, you know, is this really God? You know, of course I had talked to my wife about this and said, honey, if, if these conditions are met, would you agree with me? This is what God wants us to do. And she said, absolutely. I would. And uh, so I, I sat down in the car and he said, I said, you're not going to believe this, but I set some conditions wanting to know if this is what God wanted me to do. And in this lunch, you've met all the conditions. So my answer is yes. And then he kind of shocked with what, uh, you know, what I said, yeah, you, you offered me the job. I, I accept. And he goes, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like we do uh, on both ends. You know, mm -hmm. when, when we've been praying for something and God answers our prayer, it's like, what God, thank you. What? I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, but in, in the meantime, uh, when you when you're saying, God, do you want me to do this? And then all of a sudden it, it seems like he wants you to do it. Then you still have the act of faith uh, to obey. Right. Uh, there's some details that had to be worked out. Uh, it was an amazing it's been an amazing journey these 38 years. That is amazing. I, I love to to see you know, as you're setting that whole thing up, you're ready. You know, the assumption was they're not going to pay me what I'm making now. That's not even in, in the cards. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and especially when we're going to church or nonprofit, any ministry kind of thing, we, we make some of those assumptions. But I love to see when the, the leader that's already in there or the organization, the leadership of the organization is willing to say, we're going to have faith that God's going to exactly. provide to bring that person in. Exactly. It's amazing. It, it really is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, that in that moment, God said to me, you can't sacrifice more for me than I can give to you, mm -hmm. which was an amazing affirmation in my heart in that moment. You, in your position, you are in, in a place to see the struggles that people in leadership face and the weight of that responsibility, especially as spiritual leaders and, and the joys of walking with people, seeing how God moves and transforms their lives. You get to hear stories like the one you have just told of God coming through. I think that's one of my favorite things about being in leadership is hearing those stories that maybe not everybody gets to hear. Yeah, that's true. As you're walking with, with these leaders, um, when people move into a position of leadership, and even, you know, in your own story, what are some things that you see happen in their lives, good and bad? I think frequently, um, <clears throat> I heard a, a statement, I think it was accorded to Francis Frangipan at uh, one time that he said, uh, new levels, new devils. And we are in a spiritual, a spiritual battle. And oftentimes, while we we're living in the natural realm uh, with things that we see and, uh, and experience, feel and touch, <clears throat> there's a whole spiritual realm that is unseen. Mm -hmm. And when we step into and say yes to God, we're entering into a spiritual conflict that has both a heavenly unseen nature to it and a practical working out. And, I think oftentimes it's underestimated the nature of that 
that battle, things that happen. When I coach people, uh, pastors and leaders in this, I, I encourage them not to look look for a devil behind every every struggle, but on the other hand, realize that sometimes uh, issues in your home, uh, relational conflicts, health crises, financial struggles are a, a, a part of the enemy's resistance to what is taking place. And I, I encourage every leader to build a prayer team around them mm-hmm. when they step into a leadership responsibility to take two to four or five couples or individuals, because they have to necessarily be couples, that, are, that love God, love you, that are able to keep confidence and will pray for you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I say, a couple of times a year, you need to meet with them face-to-face and give them updates. And then on a week, weekly, or every other week, you need to send them updates of things that are taking place so they can walk with you in prayer. Huge, huge uh, element of that. So that'd be one thing mm-hmm. I would say, okay, is, is uh, we as leaders tend to underestimate. We think, well, if I step into this role, it's about my abilities, my responsibilities, my, you know, my experience. And that's all important, your gifting and all of that. But in addition to that, you're stepping into a spiritual arena that has real resistive elements to it. So that'd be one thing I would say is, mm-hmm. is we, we underestimate. The second thing is, even as I talk about prayer, I think sometimes we evaluate opportunities not in the context of, is this God? We, we don't give it enough prayer emphasis. God, are you wanting me to do this? We're, we're caught by, it, does this look good on my resume? Is, is this a better, uh, you know, am I making more money? Is, what is this? Is this a good move? And we logically deduce uh, rather than spiritually appraise. You know, the, the Bible's pretty clear that God's ways are not our ways. And, mm-hmm. and Proverbs tells us, that we're not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge God and trust in him. And, and it's been my experience that sometimes, and in, in God, God is strategic in the way that he works, but it, it, it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes he'll move us into something or keep us someplace that we feel very underused or underfulfilled or even resisted. Yeah. Here we go. This I, I must have missed God. You know, I must have what God's punishing me for this thing that I'm dealing with, and, and we don't realize uh, that everything. That's what Romans tells us. Everything will work together for our good. <clears throat> Just one of the practical things my dad told me. I was asking him. He he um, when he graduated from college, he went to work for a company and through his business career, stayed with that one company, ultimately ending up owning the company. So I was asking him about that. I said, Dad, how, what, what, how did you, what was, and he, here was his comment. He said, he said, Tom, no matter what you do, in every role or responsibility, every job that you ever have, apply yourself diligently to learn everything that you can in that position. Because everything that you experience and learn, you will carry to the next responsibility. And so literally, when I can't figure out, God, what am I doing here? I'm I'm pigeonholed in this place. No, nobody sees me. You don't see me. You, don't, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. God says, no, you're not stuck. Like, you know, I, I was preparing David to be a king as he took care of shepherds and learned how to to worship in the wilderness and, right. and no one you're never out of my sight god says <laughs> and so uh learn everything you can apply yourself diligently realize you're not working i don't care what who you're working for today who your boss is you're not working for them you're working for god mm-hmm. and god notices everything and so if you're slacking off if you're lazy if you're not applying yourself if you think yeah i'll try harder when it means more you're, you're not fooling your boss. Your boss is God. He's watching the diligence of your heart. And he has you there 
for a purpose. And in my life, in those times when I go, I don't get this, this, this has nothing to do with where I'm headed, mm-hmm. you know? And then I get two or three steps down the way and it's like, Oh, that's why I was there to learn this piece that now I can apply here. God is strategic in that way. And his ways are far above ours. Oh, they are. And so, so I say to, you know, business leaders really apply a hear, believe and obey. If, if when they're talking to me and say, Hey, I, I need to run something by you. I want to, uh, either a business leader or a ministry position. I I want to I want to talk to you about an opportunity that I have. I'm looking to find out. Um, if, do I see God's fingerprint in this? Mm-hmm. Is God? Uh, have you been praying about this? I think that by nature we are nest builders. Most of us. There's a few that aren't, but most of us we we kind of like to build, get comfortable and, you know, we, we become comfortable in our routines. And when God gets ready to transition us, he has to loosen the soil that are around our life. Yeah. That's, that's relationships, that's experiences. What was, what went easy, what was going easy before doesn't go easy anymore. What, what we love to do, we don't love to do anymore. And we're saying, but something must be wrong with me. Maybe I, I just got a bad attitude. I didn't need to work hard. I need to try harder. Maybe not. Maybe God's loosening the soil so that he can reposition you in another place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, this has been my, my experience, Kay. I never know which of these it is. Is, mm-hmm. is he loosening the soil in my life? Is he disciplining me because I need to change some things in, in my life, you know, is this a, uh, is this building endurance? Do I need to tough this out and stay uh, taking correction or, or, you know, just walking through this? What is it? Or am I experiencing resistance? That spiritual resistance we talked about a minute ago, right. the devil's resisting. What is it in this? I don't know. So I start, I start looking at all of these events. Well, it feels like the the soil is being loosened around my life. Um, and I, I ask myself and I ask people who speak into my life, am I missing something? Is, is, is God putting a finger on something that I, I need to correct? You know, would you help me understand this? Is, is this the enemy? And through that process, I'm looking for God to speak. And when he does, mm-hmm. I, I will, you know, Lord, if you're correcting me, I want to be corrected. I want to receive your correction with humility and grace. Lord, if you're leading me, if you're loosening things up, I don't want to hold on. I write in in uh, my book uh, a whole idea of seasons, that mm-hmm. life is lived in seasons. And um, when the difficult pro- part of processing this is we tend to think that what I'm experiencing today, especially if it's good, is going to go on forever. Right. And when it when it stops, it's like, what? What do I got to do to get back to what to this? Or, or maybe conversely, if it's not very good, the enemy comes and points a finger at us, and he says, "Get used to it. This is the way your life is going to be from now on." And it's all intended to make us respond out of God's timing or out of faith, out, out of obedience, out of, you know, not out of obedience, out of our own flesh to say, mm-hmm. okay, I got to get out of here. This is too hard. This is, I can't do this anymore. I don't like this. And so we're, we're looking, I'm, I'm building around me people that can speak into a process that help me uh, discover this is what God's saying. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, so I'm hearing, believing, <laughs> okay, God, I think this is what you want me to do. I, I've confirmed it. It's been confirmed by people who speak into my life, who I, I trust, who love you and love me. And I'm, I'm ready to obey. That's a, that's a powerful thing. So reading, understanding the circumstances 
and and making decisions that are not logic based but that are prayerful spiritual based are two of the those are the two big things that I would say to leaders mm-hmm. uh, when you're you know these are potential mistake areas yeah and it's it's so easy i think to slip into our own our own ways and our own knowledge, especially, you know, leaders, you, you have got giftings there, you've got skill, you've got experience, all kinds of reason to lean on our own understanding. Yeah. So, you know, when, how I stepped into this role, I've been the executive senior pastor at Gateway Church for uh, 14 years. And we had moved into a new location. And, and we, when we did our sort of our uh, our pastor's name, reputation, our church reputation went from a regional to a national and maybe even more of an international. At least the demands on his life became more of that. Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking, how do we manage this? And we were we were talking about the demands, not just of the growing church and our congregation, but the demands that were coming outside to influence and speak and share and different things, missions, opportunities. And that initiated a process uh, that he said, well, I looked at me and he said, Tom, what about you? Would you be interested in stepping into this role? And we had, um, the, my pastor and I had, had talked many times that when it was my time to transition out, retire or whatever, that my son would take my place. So I said, well, uh, we've talked about this, but we've never talked about it as an elder body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that initiated the process of me transitioning what I was doing to my son so I could step into this other role. Right. And it was not, um, I mean, it, 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 I love my son. I, I think he's gifted. I knew it was God that we did this, but it, it, there were some issues in me that I had to adjust as I, I had to let go of some things in order to grab a hold of the new things mm-hmm. in, in this season. It was extremely difficult. Well, in that process, uh, as I transitioned to my son, all my responsibilities, and now I was ready to turn my attention to all of these four areas of ministry that we talked about a bit ago. We as a church had the opportunity to pick up a campus in Dallas. So we're uh, our broadcast campus is in South Lake, Texas. It's a community that's that's between Dallas and Fort Worth. Okay. The 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 Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex has sort of grown into communities that touch base. So you, you leave one and go into the other one, and you hardly know. You'd be familiar with this on the East Coast for sure. Right. Yep. So this this was a strategic move on our part, and we didn't have anybody to fill that role. So I thought I can I can do that. I mean, here I am. I've been the number two guy in our organization. And the campus pastors are an essential part of what we do. They're very strategic, but uh, it, it was not comparative to what I had been doing. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, is this what God wants me to do? So, of course, I went to my wife and I said, hey, what would you think about us becoming the campus pastor to launch our Dallas campus? And she goes, I'm, I'm with you. Whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> and... So that began a process that resulted in me for two years serving as the Dallas campus pastor. Well, that was not in, in the logic of things. I had friends saying, what are you doing? What, why, are you, why are you a campus pastor? I know it doesn't make sense. I mean, logically, mm-hmm. it's not a strategic move, uh, a career move. It's a kingdom move. So yeah. it's... It's what God seems to be directing. And so we, for two years, we worked to lay the foundation to launch that campus and then turned it over to the campus pastor, all the while preparing to take over the responsibilities I have today. So, you know, God does, uh, I'm, I'm using that simply as an example, Kay, to say mm-hmm. God moves us if we're willing to allow him, moves us into places and I, I thought afterwards, especially working with coaching uh, pastors and so on, you know, I'd, I'd grown up in ministry as an executive pastor, executive senior pastor, senior pastor. And uh, but it'd been a number of years since I'd actually been hands on leading a staff at a campus, 
And uh, so I dusted off a, a few of my skills in those two years, preparing to step over into this responsibility. And, right. you know, God, God knows what he's doing. He's, he's wise in all things. Yeah, I'm sure that gave you some more insight that you use every day now. Absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, I was thinking while you, were, while you were talking about that, that we don't understand why God does things certain ways. Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. So whatever avenue he chooses, is, it's his choice. Yeah. You know, okay, you're going to be the king of the mm-hmm. world. Uh, when, when, when are you going to overthrow the Roman government, God, and uh, establish your kingdom? Right. It's here. It's now. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it slipped in while we weren't looking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I, I want to talk to you, too, about, uh, about this book. We've just mentioned it. We've talked about yep. leadership. Your newest book is, uh, as we record this, is Tested and Approved 21 Lessons for Life and Ministry. We were talking before we started recording, and I, and I was saying that every year of the week after Christmas, I pick up a book that I think is going to help shape my life and work for the coming year. And, I, you know, I read books on spiritual formation, productivity, um, fundraising, because I do work in a nonprofit. And this year... I picked up this book to read it um, because I was getting ready to interview you. And I pick up the book and I get into it and I go, oh, this is, this is, my, this is my end of the year book. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honored that it is. <laughs> I'm honored. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, church leadership and, and a little bit about business leadership. But who, who is this book for and why did you write it? Yeah, so I, I talk about in the introduction to the book. Uh, really, the idea for this book started in 2000. I ran across a, um, it was an internet article that uh, was supposedly from Bill Gates. And the title of it was 11 Personalized Rules of Life. And he had uh, supposedly, he had given this at a commencement exercise. And I, I, I read it with interest thinking, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. 11 Rules for Life. What it did. Do I have 11 rules, 11 lessons that I would, that I've learned? So I started, uh, I, I wrote down some, some thoughts and I started writing these lessons. And honestly, I thought, you know, I'm going to write these down. I, I have four married children. I have 15 grandchildren. And uh, I thought, you know, one of these days I'm going to be able to sit across the table and share these with my kids and my grandkids. Yeah. Uh, I did that while my kids were growing up. But I thought I can do this with my grandkids. So that's that was originally where where this started. And in 2017, I was asked by a church in North Carolina to come and speak to their staff mm-hmm. at an end of the year sort of staff retreat. Large church, 600 staff. And they asked me, I was one of three speakers. Uh, they had a young guy that was speaking on how to start strong. They had one of the, a guy from their own staff talking about the vision of the church and here's where we're going and here's how we carry along. And then they wanted me to speak on how to finish strong. And until they asked me to do that, I thought, I, wait a minute, I, I'm still running my race. I'm yeah. What you know? What are you what are you talking about? But it it it, it sort of reminded me that sort of I'm in the last leg of my race here. I'm I'm. I may not be at the finish line, but I can sort of around the corner, I can see the finish line. Uh, what am I doing? And, and so I, I dusted off my lessons. And by this time, I had 17 of them. Mm-hmm. 11 had grown to 17. And I thought, well, okay, you want to know how to finish strong? I'm going to share with you. Here's, here's an abbreviation of 17 lessons I've learned along the way. Okay. And so I shared that with, with them. And, uh, and then it wasn't long after that, maybe later in the new year, uh, 2018, that our publishing group came and said, hey, what? we need another book. What's your next book? And I said, well, I don't know if you're interested. And, of course, we didn't have a working title at all. I just called them, you know, uh, 11 Life Lessons. And they said, oh, man, they, yeah, we love this. Okay, why don't you write it and let we'll – We'll take it from there. So I 
I said, well, I added four more to make it 21 mm-hmm. uh, lessons. They're, they're lessons, and we said 21 lessons for life and ministry. Um, they're lessons that are they're biblically based, but they're about life. They're about how you incorporate a real relationship with God into the everyday circumstances of your life. So it doesn't matter whether you're in business or you're in ministry. For instance, lesson number one. Mm-hmm. Lesson number one is life is not fair. <laughs> if, if you approach life from the standpoint of it has to be fair, you're never going to understand life and you're going to constantly be frustrated. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it just doesn't make sense how a guy like Jim Fix, a, a, a runner, a, a marathon runner, healthy, uh, he's, he's out running one day and drops over of a heart attack. And by the same token, a guy who hasn't run a day in his life, has eaten every bit of fat that he wants to, uh, smokes three packs of cigarettes a day and drinks a fifth of vodka at night before he goes to bed. And he lives to, you know, almost 100. It's like, how is that fair? It's, it's not. Life is not fair. It's about faith. And God intends us to, be, to walk with him in a journey. So it's things like that, lessons that I, I try and sort of encapsulate that I've said, okay, here, here's a lesson I learned and here's how I learned it and here's how I applied it to my well, life. There you go. So I, I hope it has a broad enough. I, I think our our publishing group says, yeah, this this is a book that every seminary student, every graduate student, every every person ought to get, and it'll benefit their life. I hope that's true. I hope you you find it uh, stimulating and challenging for your final end of the year read. Yeah, I, I believe I will. You know, I I tend to be task oriented, and um, you share a story in there that I really loved where you had a conversation with your dad. Can, can you give us a little bit of that story? Yeah. So my dad, uh, my senior year in, in high school, my dad and some partners that he had had been in business, business associates bought the company or some warehouse locations of the company that they had worked in. And uh, I, I just so admired my dad. I respected him as a business leader and so I went to him, uh, well, I, we were talking about business, things. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to follow him in business. Mm-hmm. So one day my dad and I were talking and he said, um, so what business do you think I'm in? And I thought, is this a trick question? <laughs> you know, because you're in the wholesale paper distribution business. And, and I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's the, so I said, well, um, you're in the, paper business, right? And he goes, well, you would think that. But he said, I'm not in the paper business. I'm in the people business. And he he went on to say, you know, I, I manage people to produce a result. Uh, I manage people to purchase products and then to, at a, at a price that we can then distribute them, sell them to customers. I manage customer relationships. I'm, I manage a sales force. I manage people to produce a result. And, and he went on to say, no matter what you do in life, Tom, you will miss the process if you don't understand that no matter what you're doing, you could be a, a doctor, a plumber, you could be a paper salesman, you are in the people business. You're going to manage people, you're going to relate to people, you're going to interact with people. That, that really guided me as, I, as I've been in life. And, and you know, one of our our sort of slogan, it's, it's, um, it's not a slogan, it's really our heart at Gateway is we're all about people. Mm-hmm. It, it just so fit my dad's description, we're here to help people. And of course, you know, when you think about the biblical side of it, God, God says, you can boil the Bible down to these two things. Love God with all your heart and love people like you love yourself. Right. Uh, we're, in, we're in the people business. And I don't care if you're a believer. I don't care what what your vocation is. You, you could you could say I'm a steam fitter, or I'm a I'm a plumber, or I'm a doctor. That's your expression, but you're in the people business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, that's so good, so so yeah. foundational, and and uh, sounds like it was life changing conversation. It was. 
It really was. I had I had a number of those kind of conversations with my dad. Sounds like a wonderful <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm just looking at the um the the chapter titles, these 21 lessons. I'm just going to yeah. read a few off just kind of so people know. Um, you know, of course, ministry and life aren't fair. People being known by the fruit we produce, success is a process. You talk about accountability. You talk about building wealth, taking responsibility and honoring, taking responsibility for your, your mistakes. Uh, it goes on and on and on. One that really stood out to me was um, living your life in a godly rhythm. What does that mean? You know, I think we live in a society, we live in a time where life is such a, a, a drastic pace, mm-hmm. even before COVID. You know, I think one of the things that this uh, 2020 has done is it's locked us in our home and uh, caused us to, it's forced us to slow down, forced us to reevaluate the pace uh, of our life. And I had a, have a pastor friend of mine, Brady Boyd, who wrote a book called Addicted to Busy. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's true. Uh, our our pastor, Pastor Robert, uh, wrote a book called "Take the Day Off." Yeah, uh, it's it, it's a it, the idea of this is life has to be lived in priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's priority? And and when I've talked about this as a pastor uh, to members of our congregation or to pastoral leaders, you know, m- most people who have any degree of biblical knowledge, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, God's number one, you know, my my family's number two, uh, or my marriage is number two, my family's number three, uh, you know, and somewhere ministry is down, you know, down the list. Mm-hmm. But then if I say to them, hey, that's, that's great. Let me see your calendar. Right. Show me how the, your priorities work their way out in the rhythm of your life, it doesn't, it doesn't work out so great in that way. It begins, when I think about pace, it begins by putting God first. God first in our day. Mm-hmm. Uh, put, it begins by putting God first, uh, uh, allowing a Sabbath day. And, you know, being in ministry, Sunday is a work day. Right. So what I tell, what I've told our staff and what I tell pastors is pick a day, but it's not Sunday because you're working on Sunday. So is it Monday? Is it Friday? What, what is your Sabbath day? And our, our pastor is so adamant in applying this principle. I, I remember uh, as the executive pastor, I would, I'd be dealing with, uh, issues and that I'd want his input on. And so I'd send him an email or a text knowing that his Sabbath was Monday, but I thought I'll just send it to him and he can respond to it when he wants. And so I, one, one morning I'd send him two or three emails or text messages and he called me middle of the morning and he goes, Hey, uh, how, how are you doing? I said, Oh, I'm doing great. You know, good, good mm-hmm. talking to you. And, uh, he said, Hey, um, are you okay if I rob a bank? And I went, uh, no. He said, how about if I murder somebody? And I said, no. And he said, what if I just lay out a a string of expletive deleted words? And I said, no, uh, no, Pastor, where where are you going with this? And he said, so you don't want me to, you want me to live a life that represents God's commandments, but you keep encouraging me to break the Sabbath. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. Um, And he said, look, don't send me a text or an email because as soon as it dings in my inbox, I'm tempted to look at it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want, I don't want to hear the noise. And I went, okay. So we now, we encourage all of our team, you be that adamant about protecting the, the Sabbath. Recreate yourself. You can do anything you want on the Sabbath except work. <laughs> do what recreate, spend time with your family. Do things that you enjoy. Go out and recreate, but don't work. Don't work. And, and then build a rhythm. So part of understanding the rhythm of life is realizing that our, our lives 
have energy to them and our, our work depletes our energy. And some things deplete our energy more than others. If we're working in an area where we're less gifted, it's going to deplete our energy more. If, if we, if we, um, if we're required, uh, you know, we used to call them very draining people. (laughs) You know, we, we relate uh, pastorally to people that just are negative and they, uh, they're negative situations. They, they, they're like, they, they hook into our life and just suck our dry, a battery dry. And we, we need to look at our schedule and realize when I'm investing, when I'm doing something that is drawing a lot of amperage out of my life, a lot of energy out of my life, I need to build a rhythm that allows me to recover. So it's a, it's a wave. It's an ebb and flow uh, process, a rhythm of life. And I heard a, a message that was so impa- impactful to me and, it was in the late nineties, I think maybe the early two thousands. And, uh, this pastor was saying, uh, he had a, he had a meltdown and he was sitting in his office on a Saturday afternoon. He had three services to preach on Sunday. He had a, a wedding to do that night for a key leader in their church. And he wasn't ready for any of it. And he, he sat behind his desk and just sobbed, cried. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And uh, although I had not been in that exact situation, he was speaking to the emotional feelings that I'd had of hopelessness, of, uh, of change. And then he, 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 he began to address issues that says, I've, I've always had, um, I've always recognized two dash, two gauges on the dashboard of my life. One was a physical dashboard. And so I would go to a mentor or someone that I was in relationship with and, and they'd say, well, are you eating well? Are you getting enough sleep? You know, are, are you exercising? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do all that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. The other one was a, was a spiritual gauge and that was, well, are you spending time in the Word? Are you praying? What, what about your spiritual disciplines? Are, are you up to date? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, but I still don't feel good. He said, I realize there's a third gauge that I've never given any, any credence to and no one ever asks me about, and that's the emotion, the emotional gauge of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we know today in covid People, the emotional gauge of, of life are, they're, they're on lower than empty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're really, when you, when you lose hope, when, when you can't be around people, when you don't have life-giving interaction with other people, that emotional gauge just tick, 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 and it moves, keeps moving toward uh, empty. And we need to replenish that emotional gauge. And, and so, uh, Dealing with this rhythm is addressing how do we uh, how do we come to grips with the rhythm of our life so that we live it in a healthy, you know, yes, spiritual disciplines, yes, physical disciplines, but the emotional disciplines as well. That's so, so true. Um, <laughs> the people that listen to this podcast will know that I kind of that, that we dropped off the radar in September. And that's what, that's what happened. I was just, I can't do another thing, you know? And it was really emotional, kind of emotional energy, you know, uh, uh, to just have a conversations with a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's the risk when you're a pastor or you're in the, the healthcare industry, it's the, it's the risk that we all run. You're, you're constantly giving and you're not replenishing. Yeah. This, it's just, I, I, when I was thinking about rest Sabbath and this whole uh, thought I read, uh, I, I actually went to Starbucks to meet a guy and I was there early. So I signed on to Starbucks website and there was a Ted talk on, on Sabbath by Steven Segmeister. And I thought, oh, this is interesting now, on, on Starbucks website. And so I clicked on it. Uh, Ted talks are 
15, 16 minute little segments. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Segmeister, he, he was a, um, he was a graphic designer and he, 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 he had a company, a design company in New York that, that did high end uh, record covers, CD covers, that kind of thing. And he said in his talk that one of the things he noticed is that about every seven years, they were out of creativity. Hmm. And he said, in fact, when he started looking at it, he noticed that when he measured the first one or two or three years, they'd be extremely creative and new ideas and a lot of energy. And then the next three or four years, they would redo what they'd done in the first three years, just with a little different paint on it. Okay. And he said, and he said, so when I realized this, I decided, okay, we need to recreate ourselves. And he said, so we, we took a whole year and we put a sign on the door and said, we're, we're on sabbatical. And we're going to be gone from here to here. We'll, if you are looking for us, we'll see you in a year. And they put that on their answering machine. And I thought when I was watching this, I thought, well, that's not realistic. I mean, who, who could do that? And, and as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. God has a seven-year rhythm in Scripture. And if, if you take one day and rest every year, that's 52 days mm-hmm. times seven. That's 360 some. Wait a minute. God is so smart. He knew that we wouldn't take a year, uh, a full year away from any of our work. So he said, I'm going to make it simple. Just take one day out of every seven and rest. And in a seven year segment, you'll have taken one year completely off in renewing. And I thought, God, you're so brilliant. This is amazing. Wow. And, and so the, the foundation of this rhythm of life, living your life in rhythm, is coming back to a principle that God established for us, not for him. You need rest. Yeah. You need to recreate. You need to refresh. And th- the faith that gets applied to this is a belief that says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that I can do more in six days than I can do in seven with your help. So that's, that's good. That's the story. That's good. Yeah. See, that's why I'm starting the year with with that message. (laughs) I've already been tinkering with my schedule. So yeah. No, that's, Ah. that's, it's so, so true because you do, you can't just run and run and run and run and run and run and run. Nobody can do that. Well, and you know, before I I learned this and I think a lot of people do this, maybe, maybe this would be true for you. Uh, You run hard until you hit a wall Mm -hmm. and then, and then you unplug because you're sick or you're run down or you're burned out and you replenish and then you get yourself up. And you run and run and run and repeat the same thing. Well, what if we stop doing that and just build in a doable life with a rhythm that allows replenishment, refreshment, you know, I think that's what God intended. Yeah, I think you are right. (laughs) That's good. That's good. We talk a lot about uh, imposter syndrome. People are listening to this often are stepping into new things and that question of, can I do this? Or there's so many other people doing this. That comes up a lot. And again, another one of the stories in your book, you, you talk about playing on the football team. And uh, you had a moment where your coach was not happy with you. And you ended up getting what grabbed by the face mask or something. <laughs> yeah. As I read that story, I thought imposter syndrome and just that I don't get to decide that somebody can take my place. I'll retell the story briefly. So I, I as a, in high school, I was a, uh, I, I was a three-year varsity football player. In my sophomore and junior years, I was pretty effective as a, as a guard uh, on the line. And uh, I, I was a good blocker. 
And when I got to my senior year, I got moved to a, a, a tight end. And what I was good at for two years previously, I, I was not having the same effect. And the coach was just constantly, Lane, what are you doing, Lane? Get the, you missed that block again, Lane. What are you? And we were in a scrimmage, and he yelled at me several times. And uh, I'm, I missed a block again. And so I just took myself out, called for my replacement and uh, on the sideline. And the coach didn't tell me to do that. I just did it on my own. So I'm standing on the sidelines with my arms folded, you know, and uh, my replacement missed the block. And the coach goes, Lane. And he looks at him and he goes, you're not Lane. Where's Lane? And uh, I, here I am, coach. And he, he says, get over here. And so I ran to him. He grabbed a hold of my helmet. I thought he was going to shake my head off, you know, just all the way around. He said, Lane, who made you coach? You're not coach. You don't get to decide who's, who's in and who's out. Uh, you don't ever leave this game until I tell you to, to and, and get in there. And he threw me back into the huddle. And, and uh, I, I learned that day. Okay. <laughs> no matter what, if, if, and, I don't get to be, I don't get to de determine if I'm doing right or not. It's the coach that makes that decision. I will do my very best. And if I mess up, he's going to correct me. And uh, I found that to be true in God. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you know, God gives us an assignment and he teaches us in the assignments that he gives us. And sometimes the, the best learning is in failing is in struggling. We, we learn what not to do. I think of Thomas Edison, you know, when he was inventing the light bulb, he failed so many times and he said, well, I've learned 996 ways not to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think in, in my framework of thinking, it's like, I think about after 120, I would have gone, I don't get it. I don't, this isn't going to happen. But, you know, tenacity, faithfulness, mm -hmm. diligence, you know, th those are all things that God wants to work into our nature and character. We don't get the option to say, well, I, I guess it's just on me. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. God's the one who says, no, you can, you can just keep working it. Keep, there you go. keep going at it. Yeah. I love that concept of the, the assignment and that you're just, you, your responsibility is to do what he says to do. We, we, we started uh, 2020, we started this podcast with um, Oz Guinness' book, The Call, and, and that our responsibility is to respond to the call. It's, it's to say yes, and that's our responsibility. We're not responsible for the outcome. We're responsible for what we do with what he's told us to do. So true. Yeah. And so... You're in the game. You're in the game. If he if he says you're in the game, you're in the game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I don't know if you when you talk about uh, you know the imposter syndrome or it, that. I don't know if you you ever think of it this way, but I think sometimes uh, we we put ourselves into a place that God didn't intend for us, and then we have to pose. Mm -hmm. We have to we have to pretend we're somebody that we're not, uh, because we don't want to admit that we don't. This is us. When our kids were young, we had a a young gal that we became friends with through a church, and she lived with us. She was a she had graduated with a degree in nursing, and she was working for a dentist as a receptionist. And um, I never could figure out why she didn't work as a nurse. And, uh, but I, I noticed, uh, uh, one particular point when she was living with us that she came home just completely frustrated. She, she was talking about her doctor, about the office, about the girls she worked with. She was just neg you know, negative Nancy about everything. And I, and I said to her, Hey, what is going on? why are you having so much trouble here? And she goes, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, and I, and I said, well, so uh, tell me this, you have a degree in nursing, right? She said, yeah. And I said, why don't you do nursing? And she said, 
I hate nursing. I never wanted to go into nursing. And I said, really? She said, no, no. My dad made me do nursing. Wow. And I said, really? He, he, she said, he told me that as a woman, I needed to have a career that I could fall back on and nursing would be a good career. So he made me do it. I, I hated every day I went to nursing school. I hated every, every moment of it. And I think, uh, how sad I thought for her and uh, for us as parents, when we fail to realize God has a purpose, a plan, giftings, and we, we, we put our kids in the wrong place when we force them to pose to be something that God has not called them to be. Mm-hmm. Our greatest effort, support as a parent, is to expose our kids to enough things when they're young so that we can help identify their giftings and their interests and, and point them in a direction of God's leading and calling for their life mm-hmm. so that they don't have to be posers. They, they can be, uh, they can step in and, and then when, when they step in and it's not going right, we, we can stand with them and say, just, just hang in there. So one more story and I'll be done in this, in this area. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we had a, a guy on our staff, sharp young guy, and he believed he was called to plant a church. So we said, okay, we'll help you. And it was in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're in, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he had gone to college in Scottsdale and felt like God had said to him, you're going to return here and you will spend your life investing in the, in the, the valley of, that's in Scottsdale. And so uh, we had a friend, a church friend, who had, they were based in Oklahoma and they had started a, a, uh, a church campus in Phoenix. And so we said, why don't we put you in touch with him? And so he met with this pastor and the pastor said, that's the most brutal place you, you could ever go. He, he said, we, we invested several million dollars and two years of effort and we pulled out. So this young guy comes to me and, and he said, uh, what am I doing? Why should I go to, I mean, this, this church is a great church and they invested $2 million and two years of effort and they didn't make it go. And, and he said, maybe I just ought to back away from this. And I said, no, 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 no. And he said, what? And I said, no. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, did God tell you that you'd go back to that place and invest your life there? And he said, yeah. And I said, when God tells you something, you don't quit. You don't give up. I said, the reason they didn't make it is because they, they used their head to figure out where they wanted to plant a church. And they, they thought their money would make it go. It was a brutal result. But you're going because God told you to go. And God will be with you. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You're going to have some trials and some, some difficult times. But let me just tell you, the fact, the reason that you'll succeed is because you're not going there because your, your mind, your logic told you to go there. You're going there because God told you to go there. And you'll do whatever it takes. And God will, God will reveal himself. And, and guess what? Gateway Scottsdale is thriving. Uh, it's now, I don't know, six or seven years old. And he's doing a fabulous job. And in the midst of a difficult situation, he's, he's thriving uh, because he, he didn't use his logic. He obeyed. And that yeah. made the difference. That obedience. And that's a huge game changer. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, you know, we could tell all the stories in the book, but we should probably <laughs> leave some for people to read. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> I'm not sure that one was in the book, actually. That's oh, a, bonus. That's a bonus story. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'll have all the links. Grab this book. It's going to be life-giving. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let me just say what, one other little promotional piece. In January, uh, once I wrote the book, they came out and said, hey, would you, would you do a coaching manual for this mm-hmm. book? And I said, yeah. 
So we in in January, uh, there's a companion coaching playbook. And the idea is for every lesson I've set down, uh, I've written out uh, a, a playbook so that you could sit across the table with one or, you know, a small group and uh, you could read the chapter and then you could process the chapter and apply it to circumstances in, in your life uh, using the coaching playbook. So uh, that'll be available in January as well. And uh, so if you like the book, and you go, man, I'd love to do this as a discussion guide with a small group, or I have a friend that I could mentor or coach in this. Yeah. There'll be a companion thing that'll help. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, looking forward to that. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome, Kay. My pleasure. God bless you. As always, show notes are at lifeandmission.com. Hey, don't forget to write a review and find your voice, tell your story, change the world. It's Kay here. There's one big truth about fundraising that people do not tell you when you start out. And that is, if you struggle to tell stories, you will struggle to raise funds. But what kinds of stories do you tell? How do you tell them? Where do you find them? How do you put them together? And how do you do all that while you're running your ministry, while you're doing all the work and all the things that you have to do? It does not have to be overwhelming. This is my good news. And also, I want you to hear this. Fundraising is not just about asking for money. Raising funds for your mission does not have to feel icky. Fundraising is really about relationships. It's about sharing stories with friends. And it's about being very clear about what it takes to accomplish great things together. I created the Mission Writers course to help you tell better stories, to know what stories to tell, when to tell them, how to tell them, where to find your stories. So go over to missionwriters.org. That's missionwriters, like you're writing. Missionwriters.org has all the details on the course and on the group coaching program. So you have two options. And if you love a missionary or a nonprofit leader who needs this course, gift certificates are available. So check it out at missionwriters.org and let's make 2024 your best year ever.